we're back. Back with another podcast, the Bricks and Mortar Podcast. Well, that's a podcast about property. If you've got any interest in property, if you're in the property game, you're buying, selling, investing or renting, then you're bound to get something uh, from this podcast. It's probably going to last about 20, 30 minutes. And what we're going to do is this week we're going to talk about some busting some more property myths. Uh, this time we're going to look at uh, why the Scottish market is better than the English market. When I say the market, probably the Scottish legal system is better than the English legal system. Again, that's a myth that uh, we're going to bust. I'm then going to go and talk about really the main point of, of this podcast, this particular episode in the Bricks and Mortar podcast is to avail yourself of my knowledge of how about getting a property. How do you go about actually sourcing a property, locating a property, getting that property that you're wanting to buy? So I'll give you some good knowledge, some tidbits about what I think you should be doing to get yourself on the property ladder. And then I know last week I was going to tell you a wee bit more about various websites. forgot to do about that, so apologies there. And uh, I'll give you some websites for you to have a look at. You'll see if you've been looking at the website that we've uh, had a change to the website. I spent most of the holiday weekend uh, scouting about the uh, the Wix website just to update that. So hopefully you'll see that uh, there's a new website there. It's a better sort of more modern feel about that. Uh, it'd be interesting just to see what you thought of that. Uh, send any comments that you've got. Uh, you can post them on the face, the Facebook uh, we've got uh, a group on the Facebook called the Bricks and Mortar Podcast. To join that, delighted to see you over there. And you can email me, uh, probably best to get me on the Gmail account, which is jgaw374, and uh, that's jgaw374 at gmail.com. You can also get me on LinkedIn. The other piece of news to tell you about is that I have subscribed to iTunes. So there's a bit of a convoluted um, method of getting you onto iTunes. And I'm through the gate there. And hopefully in the next, well, they say it could be the next 48 hours. It could be the next two weeks that you're able to download everything from uh, from the iTunes website. So I'll keep you advised on that. And uh, once we're on iTunes, then it's pretty easy for you to subscribe. So I'm back in the mobile studios here. Once again, it's uh, Tuesday. It's the first week in May. We've just come off the bank holiday and uh, number one daughter is at hockey practice. Quite know quite why she's at hockey practice. I'm not entirely sure, given the fact that the season has finished and has been finished for a week or two. Um, they seem to have got them doing more training. So my job as uh, the familiar taxi driver uh, is again on duty tonight. So tonight we're up at Scottsdale, well we're up at GHK and then we're off to Scottsdale for some high jump practice. Uh, that's all. I think if you're a, a if you've got kids and you're listening to this, you'll know what I'm all about. And if you don't have any kids and you're thinking about having kids, then just make sure that you've got a big car because at some stage you will become the taxi driver. Quite how long that's going to last. I've got kids who are 11, 12 and 14, so I'm going to be taxi driving, I think, for the next six or seven years. Um, 
one other sort of piece of of note is that uh, apologies if you thought the quality of the the podcast not the content because I, I know the content's always fantastic um but the quality of the audio might not have just been up to scratch last week uh, i know that the first intro there was maybe only coming out of the the right ear not the left ear apologies for that hopefully i can get that all sorted out so that's me pretty much done with the intro. Uh, I think we'll crack ahead with the rest of the the, the podcast. Uh, as I say, we're going to talk about busting some myths. We're then going to talk about the uh, th- uh, the main part of, of the show, sourcing a property, and then we'll talk about websites. We'll catch you later. questions I get asked a lot is is the Scottish system better than the English legal system as far as buying and selling of property is concerned I think there's a lot in certainly when I started out back in the sort of early 90s when when Scotland still had aspirations for qualifying for World Cups and uh, when everybody had a Nokia uh, telephone and, and thought they were just the bee's knees looking now back at the at the Nokia Gosh, that that was a brick now compared with uh, what we, what I'm holding in my hand at the moment, um, as far as iPhones are concerned. But anyway, I digress. Um, so back in the '90s, I think the Scottish system probably was better than the English system. Um, both systems are clearly dependent upon getting yourself into a contract, and one of the 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 main benefits I think from the Scottish legal system was that you were able to get into a contract quicker and so therefore there was a great deal more certainty that your deal was actually going to go ahead. Um, You got into missives earlier, I think that's fairly true and I think that was because it was a lot easier back in the day to get a mortgage back in in the early 90s where it was it was relatively uh, straightforward um weren't too many brokers out there um and if you went to to get a mortgage you tended to go straight to the bank and the whole process was was relatively easy probably took you a couple of weeks to get your mortgage and once you got your mortgage as i say to all my clients once you get your mortgage then you're in a good place to go ahead and get missives concluded. Without the mortgage, you're absolutely nuts to put a pen to paper to get yourself into a contract. So that was the benefit um, of the, the Scottish legal system as far as buying domestic properties concerned. The English system was fraught with difficulties, and I think it's fair to say it continues to be fraught with difficulties. Uh, they've obviously got the deposit system where you pay your 10, 10% deposit once you exchange contracts. Exchange contracts is the same phrase uh, or similar. It's it's not similar. It's the same as uh, concluding missives. Once you're binding yourself into a contract, you've concluded missives in Scotland. And once you've bound yourself into a contract in England, then you have exchanged contracts. The problem with England is that you do not exchange contracts right until the last moment. It is almost unconditional uh, once you have exchanged contracts and you're almost certain that the deal is going to go ahead once you have exchanged contracts. The problem is that you can be taken right to the the 24th hour and the seller or purchaser pulls the plug because their onward purchaser sale has fallen apart 
and the the uh, the the client who is left in the lurch um, is truly left in the lurch with uh, very little recourse. Um, whereas in in Scotland, you certainly had. Um, Misses concluded earlier, although there was an element of conditionality as far as the contract is concerned, it was very rare that uh, any side walked away from the from the deal. The problem now is that it is taking so much longer to get mortgages in place. Certainly in Scotland, goodness knows what it's like in in England. I suppose it just exacerbated the the. Uh, the problems that they've already had. But in Scotland, it's becoming, I think, very much like the English system insofar as there's many a transaction where, although you're trying to get missives concluded as quickly as possible, sometimes you're not getting missives concluded until a couple of days before the date of entry. And ultimately, as, as every solicitor knows, uh, if you don't have a contract in place in writing where purchase price and the date of entry have been agreed then either party can walk away without any liability and, and that is not a place that you want to be in come uh, come the last week or before settlement what you want to do is obviously try and get into a contract uh, both for the the purchaser's sake and also the seller's sake but unfortunately the lenders are just not playing ball and it's really making a, a, a mockery of the, the Scottish legal system. So when somebody says to you that the Scottish legal system is better than the English legal system, I have to say that I, I'm not convinced anymore. Uh, I really am not. I think there are some merits with regards to the Scottish system and if you've got, say, for a cash buyer, uh, then undoubtedly I think there are, are some tremendous merits for the Scottish legal system over the English legal system. But where you're looking at somebody who's needing to get a mortgage because the lenders are taking so long, I think it's eeksy-peeksy as to, to which one is uh, is better. The English system has the benefit, I suppose, of a, of a deposit system, which uh, Scotland has never had and I don't think ever will get involved in that. Um, so I think the because of the lenders, the, the jury's out now as to which is the better legal system. How the hell am I going to buy that property? Well, at least if you've been following my advice, you'll have your budget all sorted out. So at least you'll know how much you've got to spend. But what you don't know is what that's going to buy. And the bottom line is you're just going to have to do some hard graft and get a knowledge base that when you see a property, when that property is in a particular location, you know exactly, pretty much, what that property is going to be worth. Don't worry about offers over, worry about the home report value. That's what you need to base your offer on and that was that's what you need to base your viewings on is the home report value. The banks are going to base their uh, mortgage on that so you need to base uh, your uh, your property finding on that. You will have heard, uh, if you're looking to buy a property, um, you'll f you'll feel that um, Phil and What's-Her-Face 
um, on location, location, location are your best friends. In fact, you're you're probably uh, glued to, to the television watching programs like Under the Hammer, Location, 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 Grand Designs. Um, they're, they're all out there um, and, and give you some great, great knowledge. And really, it is all about location, I have to say. If I got given the choice of buying a smaller property in a better location as against a larger property in a poorer location, I'd go for the smaller property every single time. The main reason is that you're going to be able to look at better capital growth in connection with the smaller property and you're going to be less days on the market if and when you come to sell that property. So location, location, location. It is absolutely true that that's what you need to, to look at. So you have identified what your budget is and what you need to do is understand where you want to stay within a town or a, a city. How are you going to do, how, you, how are you going to, to do that? Well, what I would say is that if you're a buy-to-let investor, and I'll talk just a wee bit about buy-to-let investments, first of all, what I would suggest is you buy one of those large maps of the city from um, one of the the retailers, uh, put it on your wall and get some coloured pins and identify where the schools are, where the primary schools are, where the universities are, where the hospitals are, where the large places of employment are, because these are the people who live, who work in, in these places, these are the people who will be looking for accommodation and you need to identify the streets uh, around these large employers because that's where you're going to be able to pick up hopefully some cheap property and you'll have a ready market. Now when you're a buy-to-let investor you should not be thinking well that's where I would like to live, that's where I wouldn't like to live. It doesn't matter. It's where the tenant wants to live. And if the tenant is in a situation where they are spending so much time at work that all they're interested in is getting home as quickly as possible after work, uh, sticking on some food and then going to bed and then getting back up to work, they ain't interested in a, a, a 45 minute commute what they want to do is ideally jump on a bus jump on the subway or um, walk to work so that's what I would suggest get a large map stick the pins in it and then you can identify where you can buy now if you're not a buy-to-let investor in fact even if you are a buy-to-let investor I think there is a lot of mileage in speaking to the estate agents or letting agents these are the people who are professionals in the field. These are the people who will love talking about property. Even if you don't have a property to, 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 to sell or to buy, they, just, they will just be more than happy, undoubtedly more than happy, to uh, speak to you about what the best streets are, where the best schools are, um, what you should be uh, trying to buy, what's hot, what's not, should be getting a one-bedroom or two-bedroom, etc. Speak to your estate agent, make friends with your estate agents, make sure that you know their first names. Secondly, what I would look at doing is 
getting yourself up to speed with all the websites. I remember back in the day that before they had the likes of, of Rightmove and Zootplan and on the market, your main source was the Wednesday Herald, the 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 newspaper supplement that came out on a Wednesday, every Wednesday, for your uh, for your properties in the Herald, and then I think it was every Tuesday in the Evening Times. I'm sure Edinburgh would have had uh, you know paper listings, uh, as would Dundee and Aberdeen as well. But then along came the advent of the internet, and um, blew away uh, a huge. Um, revenue stream for the the likes of the, the newspapers because if you've ever looked now at the Herald, in fact I'm not even too sure whether or not they run uh, a supplement anymore on a Wednesday um, and I'm not even too sure about the, the evening times but it's all about the internet you need to understand how these websites work so I would suggest that you get onto Rightmove, Zoopla on the market um and just make sure you understand how these websites work. Uh, I'll tell you a wee bit more about the Property B um, website. Uh, just listen to the end of the podcast and, and we'll talk about that. Property B, that, that's a good one also to have a look at. But as I say, get close and personal with your, your local estate agent because they will have some fantastic knowledge as to where you should be buying. The next thing to do is to actually view the property. You need to understand that once you're in a town or a city, you need to understand what your money gets you. Is it a two bedroom? Is it a one bedroom? What are the standards like? How big are the two bedrooms? How big are the one bedrooms? Um, so you need to understand what you're going to get for your money. I guess before you do that, what you need to work out is what do you want to buy? Is it new build? Is it traditional? Um, is it a flat or a terrace property? If it's a flat, do you want to live in the ground floor? Are you concerned about security? Top floor, you know, are you at an age where top floor might not be such a good idea? Do you want to buy a property with a lift? Be aware that one of the, the issues with regards to lifts is that they're always breaking down and they ain't cheap to fix. And you will, as an owner of a property, bear uh, a share of the cost of the upkeep and maintenance of the lift. Do you want a garden? Um, these are all the things that you need to to work out. Do you want to be close to transport links? Um, these, I guess, are the things that before you start strapping on the shoes and going to look at properties, these are the things that you need to identify as to, to what you want. And don't make hard and fast rules about these things. You know, back in the day when I was looking at my first property, I ended up in Deniston. And if you told me that I was going to be going to buy a flat in Deniston, um, I would have just looked at you and thought, you know what, that's absolutely nuts. Um, but it just ticked a lot of, of the boxes that I I had at the time and, and those those boxes have obviously changed over time and it may well be that over the space of of weeks or months you decide that you know traditional doesn't suit you or, or new build does suit you you do want to buy a property with a lift you know you had thought about not wanting to live in the ground floor but you know you've changed and you want the views of the top floor so don't make hard and fast rules 
get out there get a feel for what you like um, and then that will give you a good knowledge base a good foundation to move forward to to find a property that you eventually want to buy i think i touched on this um earlier the third point that i'd like to make um is all about home reports and, and offers over offers over really is just a tactic by the estate agents to get you interested in the property and increase increase the footfall um, many's uh, an estate agent has undervalued the property as far as the off the, the offers over figure is concerned and there's many a time where a client has phoned me and, and said i cannot believe that property was offers over x and, and the home report is y and there's such a gap between the two of them that there was probably no no point in the prospective purchaser even thinking about buying the property because the home report value is so much higher than the offers over so please don't fall in love with offers over fall in love with the home report because that's the value that you're going to base your offer on that's the value that the lender is going to base the mortgage on and so that's the value that you need to be interested in not offers over home report once you've gone through and possibly lost out on a number of properties um, then you may want to start thinking about different tactics before i i go and talk about different tactics i just give you a wee sort of flavor of where the market is at the moment um, i heard a story where a property um, not in the, the best part of town um, just off mary hill road and there was just a feeding frenzy at a closing date i think um there was seven offers that were made for what was a a, a flat in in a a new build a newish build development where two or three years ago um i got offered a, a flat in this development because it just couldn't be sold and there we go couple of years after that there's seven people interested in making an offer and it was the property went for i'm just trying to remember what the figures were the property went for 20 over twenty thousand pounds over home report value so what that means is that the lender would have lent on home report so if the lender's going to lend 90% loan to value, you've got to find, first of all, a 10% deposit, and then you've got to find your 20-odd grand over and, over and above that. Utterly, utterly insane. I mean, that's the kind of stuff that was happening back in uh, sort of pre-crash times, 2007, 2008. And God forbid if we're, we're getting back to that kind of, of time in the market, I think where we're currently and... and Obviously, podcasts are something that are are set in in a certain timing, and we're in two thousand and sixteen at the moment. But if we're in a situation where we're getting back to two thousand and eight, and and the seven or eight people after a property, then I think prices are going to start moving forward very very quickly. Um, let's hope that's not the case. Let's hope that we get some more properties on the market because really the reason why there were seven people interested in that property is because there is a lack of 
of stock on the market. It's not to do with that property being of such a quality that uh, everybody was prepared to throw lots of money at it. That's just not the case. Um, it's all to do with shortage of stock and where there's shortage of stock then you're going to see prices increase. So that was that's what happened there uh, today at the, the closing date um, and some clients obviously feel somewhat bruised that they've, they've put in a, a good offer and then they've just been blown away by somebody who has been successful and then they start thinking about alternative ways of of trying to secure a property. There are very many ingenious ways. Um, some are pie in the sky and, and some appear to be pie in the sky but actually do work. But one of the ones that you might think is, is odd is leafleting. Um, and you may think that, you know, what a waste of time. I have to say that I've come across this tactic on a number of occasions. And I have to say, both from the perspective of being a home owner and receiving one of these leaflets um, and then actually acting for a client who sold a property having received one of these leaflets, I, I, I see that it works. And it works on many levels. Um, from the purchaser's point of view, it, you're probably going to be able to get a decent price for the property. Uh, you're going to be able to get a one-to-one -one negotiation. And whenever you get involved in a one-to-one -one negotiation, you're always going to get a keener price than going and trying to buy a property at a blind bid scenario. So you get some certainty uh, from a purchaser's perspective. You're obviously identifying properties and locations that where you want to buy. So you know from a purchaser's perspective that it, it is in an area that you want to, to live in. Um, and there's some more certainty. Now from the seller's perspective, the seller doesn't have to pay an estate agent. Um, the seller may well just say, well, if you want my property, then, you know, you're going to have to jump to my tune. And, and this is the figure that I want to get. Um, if it's a private bargain like that, the seller would have to get a home report. Uh, there's no requirement if it's a private sale and the property's actually never been marketed that you're required to pay for a home report. So again, that's a saving for the the seller. You could be talking five, six, seven hundred pounds for a home report these days. Um, so, you know, there are some good benefits for both the purchaser and the seller. And I can see in a market where it is, there's little stock. I can see that that's something that a purchaser may contemplate. What about buying the property you're renting? In fact, why don't you go the next, go the whole hog? and actually go ahead and rent a property in the hope that the landlord is prepared to sell you the property after the end of the lease. It might be a bit of a long shot, um, but it might work if you're already in a property and uh, no harm in, in speaking to the landlord. The reason why I say that is because the buy-to-let game is becoming harder and harder and I think that there will be a lot of landlords who are maybe owning three or four properties and can't afford to convert them from um, their own ownership into a limited company in order to take the tax advantages. And I think there'll be a raft of properties that will come onto the market. Uh, so it might not be a bad tactic just to approach your landlord and say, you know what, um, 
Do you fancy selling the property? Again, same thing. Landlord's not going to have to pay a home report and the landlord uh, will not have to um, pay an estate agent. What the landlord might have to do, and I've seen this on a couple of occasions, is that the landlord will need to check the terms and conditions of the lease and the estate agent, the letting agent. Um, some of the letting agents put in a clause in their agreements whereby if the tenant buys the property, then the uh, the letting agent gets a percentage of the uh, of the proceeds. I have to say, I think that's a wee bit disingenuous um, from the, the letting agent. They're sort of getting two bites at the cherry. But uh, hey ho, um, if they can if they can agree that with a uh, with a prospective landlord, then uh, good luck to them. Um, it's now seven forty five, and uh, that's the buzzer going off. So uh, apologies for that. Um, yeah, so leafleting a landlord, leafleting and uh, and contacting the landlords are, are probably two of the more sort of left field ways of um, thinking about trying to, to buy a property. I think that's as much as I want to say about locating a property. Again, what I would say to you is just recapping location, location, location is absolutely vital. Make friends with the estate agents, um, get that map, stick pins in the map, um, make sure that you know all about the websites Think outside the box about leafleting and contacting the landlords. Fall in love with home report values and have nothing to do with offers over. And bottom line, you need to get out there and strap the shoes on and see what you like. See what your money can buy. And then what we'll talk about next is viewing properties. There is so much to know about viewing properties and also what you need to know about viewing properties is you need to start asking some questions. You need to start interacting with the seller because the more information you can tell me, the better I'm going to be able to negotiate. So we're going to talk about that next week. I said at the start of the show that I would give you a wee bit of a steer on Websites. What I'll probably do is just give you a website every episode so that uh, it gives you an opportunity over the coming week to have a look at what that website can do for you. The first one I'm going to talk about is uh, a website that I have to say I'm surprised that is it's still out there. Uh, it is a website that I'm sure the estate agents would, would like to get rid of and, and it's called uh, www.thepropertyb that's property B uh, put that into Google property B and it will come up with a, a website and what this website does is it is is very clever um, it maps um, the I think it's the right move website and once you load the algorithms or an analytics on this then what it does is it will go into the right move website. So if you go into um, a right move website and you look at a property, a property schedule, what this uh, gizmo does is that it actually looks behind what changes have been made to the website entry. 
so you and it tracks it by date as well so you can see what the estate agent has done to change the uh, the schedule and why you may ask would an estate agent want to change the schedule well there's many reasons the main reason being is probably that the property hasn't sold and the estate agent needs to either reduce the price or change an aspect of the schedule and it can be very illuminating certainly from a, a purchaser's perspective whenever I'm acting for a client who's buying a property and we're negotiating price on their behalf, I always say to my clients, the more information that you can give me as far as anything to do with the property, the better I can negotiate. So you can imagine if somebody tells me that a property has been on the market for four or five weeks and it started off at 100,000 and it's now at offers over 85,000 pounds, it's always interesting to me and great knowledge if you can give me when the price changes have happened and indeed any other information and that's what property b is able to do so it's an absolute godsend that if you're wanting to negotiate hard with an estate agent do download property b uh, tell me how you get on with that i'm always interested to see what people's feelings are um, about the property b website it really is. You talk to anybody who's in the property game and who is trying to buy property as cheap as possible in order to develop and then tart it up and then flip it on, then Property B is certainly in their armour. Have a, have a look at it, have a play about with it and uh, delighted for you to uh, give drop me an email just to see how you get on with that. So that's dub 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 propertyb.com give it a go okay so that's another one knocked out the park thanks very much for listening to this episode of the bricks and mortar podcast um, next week what we're going to do is we're going to bust some more myths i'm not really too sure which one we're going to bust but there's so many out there that uh, we won't have a problem in, uh, in choosing one. Uh, we're on to viewings as far as what you should be doing when you're viewing a property, what questions you should be asking the seller. Uh, that's pretty, pretty important. As I've said before, the more information you get, then the keener the price that you're going to get as far as the, the property is concerned. Um, websites, we'll have another chat about websites. I'm going to sign off now. Um, I think that's hockey practice just about over. We're off to do some jumping down at uh, at Scotston uh, and then we'll get home. Goodness knows what time we'll get home. I have to say, um, my daughter's got some exams coming up. Quite how she's able to do any work as far as exams are concerned when she seems to be playing hockey and, uh, and doing athletics. Um, but... Uh, that's something I maybe need to speak to her about. So I'm going to uh, sign off now. Uh, again, it's Jonathan Williams. Please get in touch with me on the Googles, jgaw374 at gmail.com. We're on LinkedIn. Do join us with regard to the Bricks and Mortar podcast. Uh, there's a website and also we're on the Facebook. So do join up and uh, delighted to hear from you. We're the Bricks and Mortar Podcast, changing the perceptions of the buying process. I'll catch you next time.